0: Welcome to NL Full-Time. I'm Luke Edwards and it was an action-packed week once again in the National League and no team has a 100% record. Well, not at the top anyway, Rob.
1: Oh, Thanks a lot, Luke. Straight in there with the dagger on
0: that one. Nice one. That is Rob Laurel and also joining us it is Dickie Wharton from somewhere in Middlesbrough. Hello, Dickie.
2: Yeah, good morning. I won't give him a location away, obviously, but uh, yeah, on the road this week. <laughs> um, it'll be okay by
1: the time this comes out, Dickie. Yeah. You'll be long gone. I'm
2: going to say, if anybody knows where I live, though, they also know I'm not there now.
0: (laughs) 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 Your neighbours are throwing
1: a street party.
0: Yeah. (laughs) And also joining us is the media officer from Hampton and Richmond Borough, James Reid. Hello, James.
3: Hi, Luke. Thanks so much for having me. recovered from a a sweaty 1-1 at Hemel Hempstead in South West London yesterday.
0: So we'll start. Well, with the teams who were fancied, Solihull Moors, they drew with South End on what was a blisteringly hot day. Andrew Dallas hoping to score, but a beautiful curled effort from Chris Ray, their summer signing from Banbury to a Point for the Shrimpers. And Neil Hardley, it was weird. He was like, I don't know if you saw his interview after Rob. He was, he was so gushing at South End. He's going, they were brilliant. It was a fantastic away performance. It was all, but I'm surprised he didn't get on the coach with him at the end.
1: I guess a little bit of respect shown there from, from both sides and, uh, Oddly, obviously, um, Solihull Moors would potentially have been a little bit more disappointed with that result, their first home game. But um, an interesting proof of their credentials for me from South End, who didn't have the best of starts last week against Wood. But to go to Solihull Moors, who are you know, they're not like a lot of teams trying to gel at the minute, trying to trying to trying to build something new. That they're, they're there, you know, they've just added couple of changes uh, up the top end, but quality players out, quality players in. Um, and uh, yeah, so not a, bad, not a bad point for either, but um, south would probably be a little bit the happier than that. Just steady the ship after that opening day defeat against Bournemouth.
0: Paul Mullin, he opened a scoring for Wrexham early on down at Yeovil, but an early contender for goal of the season for Maliki Linton saw Chris Hargreaves grab his first point as at Yeovil boss, and what a goal as well, and what a result for Yeovil.
1: Fantastic, um, and uh, I have to admit, as somebody who commentates on football occasionally, um, when you commentate on your own team and something wonderful happens, you can hear it in the commentator's voice, and a uh, tremendous bit of commentary from Sheridan Robbins yesterday when Malachi Linton let fly, I think she said he has a touch, he has a shot, oh my God, what a beauty! <laughs> Um, really, really big boost for Yeovil's confidence, for the Yeovil fans' confidence in Chris Hargreaves, for his own confidence to hold the massive title favourites to a point uh, in your own backyard. That will give them a massive shot in the arm. Uh, Well
3: done, Malachi Linton. Well done, Yeovil. Um, Yeah, I mean, I suppose for Yeovil it's one of those where, I think it's a club that a lot of people are worried about, isn't it? They're sort of off the pitch, on the pitch. I know... uh, Seb at Hampton as a uh, as a Yeovil fan by by his roots and you know they've got a lot of it is concerning what's going on off the pitch and I think that's for them a lot of people have them as <laughs> as relegation candidates purely because of, of all of that so to take a point at Wrexham where you know uh, most people have Wrexham as as by far the, the favourites for the league along with the likes of Solihull yeah. and Chesterfield and, and, and others it's you know, it could be a very very valuable one uh, later down the line.
0: Now, as I mentioned, it was a hot day, so it was ironic that Emile Aquar opened the scoring for Maidenhead on a hot day. He tapped in the opener, Wilde Havilland added a second and came third in hand with a third before half time as they put Scunthorpe to the sword. And Joe Nuttall double in the second half wasn't enough. And Rob Maidenhead, they've done it again. You have got this team coming down from League Two, turning up at Maidenhead, probably thinking we've got enough to beat them here, and they've had well, they've been punched in the nose, haven't they?
1: I'm not a betting man. Sometimes I wish I was, but I would have bet on that yesterday. Maidenhead under Alan Devonshire being written off by everybody again, and and Scunthorpe not really knowing what they were going into, <laughs> wandering into the unknown there. Um, and uh, and fair play to to Maidenhead. I've done it before. They've had wretched starts and and, and turned things around and. And they will find ways throughout the season to 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 collect um you know hopefully for them enough points to um you know to survive uh in this dog eat dog world that is the national league. I mean, we've said it already, haven't we? There's just nothing that shows how much how competitive this league is that that not one team out of twenty-four can manage to win two games on the trot.
0: And after the euphoria for Scunthorpe fans last week, it's probably back down to earth again for them this week, isn't it, with that defeat? And it will have been an eye-opener, wouldn't it?
1: It will. And we mentioned it before. I mean, obviously, they've brought in two or three really good quality players. um, But there are... The nucleus of their squad were there last year. What they know is defeat. What they know is relegation. And um, it probably won't take too many tests going behind in games and things like that to bring all those feelings flooding back. So... um, yeah, it's the old leveler out, isn't it? You know, everybody. the first game of the season is so massive. Everything gets exaggerated. If you win, you're going to have a brilliant season. If you lose, it's going to be a shocker. Uh, not if you made an
0: <laughs> Yeah, James, I mean, Alan Devonshire, he's a fantastic. He's so wily, isn't he? He just knows this division and he knows what to do, doesn't he?
3: Yeah, I think that makes such a big difference at, at this level Obviously, these... Um, Done it did his stuff at uh, the Beverly, uh many years ago as well, and I think that's exactly a similar kind of club in the sense of, you know, you're kind of pushing, pushing at punching above your weight in terms of maybe the the financial side of things and, and sort of maximising the best out of of players. But I think they've recruited well as well. I think from a National League South point of view, uh, Zico Osare for for many people was the best right back in the league for Oxford City last year, and that was a nice little pick up from from someone that should be able to make the step up. And that's where you can kind of get a bit of value. You know, you might not have the the big bucks, but for, you know, to kind of pick up a few young promising players from, from the league below, uh, you know, putting them onto full-time contracts. A lot of these players have, you know, most players now have come through sort of academies and stuff. So they've got that kind of technical quality and that's there compared to a Scunthorpe where, yeah, you know, I think there may well be another club that could be finding themselves hanging around in the national league for a, a little bit longer than they'd like to to think. I think most clubs come down, don't they? Kind of think I oh, will, will do one or two years and bounce back up. But it's um seldom that seldom that simple. We've seen so many clubs now have been here for five, ten years, and it's uh yeah not a, not an easy job now, especially with the strength at the top getting uh stronger and stronger.
0: And like Rob said, it'll open up uh, open up old wounds
3: that won't it that defeat. Yeah, I think it's Gunthorpe been a club that have, I mean. Obviously, so for my Stevenage allegiances, there's been a number of clubs down at League Two who probably were due relegation, Stevenage being one of them, but have sort of managed to escape and some thought were another where you kind of just looked at them year on year and you thought, kind of, when's your turn to go down? You know, it wasn't that long ago they were in in League One and the gap between the bottom of League Two and, and the top of the National League is is nothing, if 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 at all. Um, you know, the the quality of the bottom of League Two is kind of really low at times and especially during those kind of COVID seasons where everything seemed to be a little bit delayed and Gunthorpe just seemed to be one of those clubs where everything was going wrong. Nothing they could do really to to stop stop the rot. And I suppose that there might be a case for this as they kind of start to completely reset. Maybe there was a you know a bit of wisdom in, in keeping a squad together, but then again, there's also a strong argument to say, look, let's just kind of chuck everything out, start again, and get some players that maybe know the division.
0: Yeah, Notts County they went away to Boreham Wood and Ruben Rodriguez opened the scoring, but Danny Elliott. He scrambled in an effort for Boren Wood to score his first goal for the club. A belter from Cairo, Mitchell had the Magpies back ahead, but then he conceded a stupid penalty and Tyrell Mars took it away. To me, the spoils were shared and I saw an interview afterwards with Luke Williams and he wasn't too happy with the performance by Notts County. He felt that maybe they got away with one a little bit. But for Boren Wood again, showing a fighting spirit, Rob.
1: Yeah, it's an interesting one, Luke. And Luke v Luke yesterday, Luke. <laughs> but, um, Luke's here. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, but I, yeah, I I haven't seen the highlights yet. I'm looking forward to uh, to doing so. Um, a good battle between two clubs that a lot of us have predicted to be up there. Um, my prediction going against the grain of Joe's, who, who thinks that Notts County might still struggle with their new manager, and I think he'll add a little bit of steel. That's a big test, going away to Boreham Wood and getting yourself a point when perhaps you might not have got any. Um, and uh, as for Boreham Wood, well, uh, you know, look, they're on track, aren't they? They've got to, they'd have got like to have won their first home game and Luke Garrard loves nothing more than clean sheets and he, he didn't get them. But he's got four points out of nine. nine, um, sat at the top end and uh, a little bit to work on in whatever little time he's got between now and Tuesday night when they take on old shot at uh, Meadow Park.
0: Yeah, we'll look at the midweek fixtures later on because uh, it's a big... Well, it's a full week of midweek fixtures coming up. Yeah. Uh, Barnett then went to Gateshead looking to build on last week's win over Halifax. Another de Havilland. Ryan opened the scoring for the Bees before Eperon Mason-Clark headed in to double the lead. Paul Blackett got one back in the second half before setting up Adam Campbell to blast home and equaliser. It's a pair of Desmonds, Rob, for Gateshead in their opening two fixtures. The first one, they were pegged back. The second one, they have done the pegging back yeah
1: absolutely and 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 so there's a bit of uniformity isn't there about Gateshead's first two games? You could say, well, they've come up a level, they're unbeaten in both of them, they've drawn them both to all and if I'm right in saying this, I think that uh, Paul Blackett and Adam Campbell have scored two goals in both games as well, but they very much played a back seat to Macaulay Langstaff and Sedwin Scott last season uh, and fair play to them they've been given their heads, and uh they've you know they've both scored in the first two games. What would be more frustrating for? um gate said will just be the fact that they've not been able to get across the line in one of the games because it's the ultimate scenario where they could have won one and lost one now and they'd have uh one more point than they've got at yeah. the moment but uh, a good second half response for them though um and a little bit of work for uh, Barnett to do because really at half time yesterday they were that 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 side that were probably looking the most likely to win two games out of two
0: it's funny you say that, Rob, about into you know, Because ultimately, Mike Williamson will be happy that they're unbeaten, but equally, like you say, if they'd have lost one of those games and won one, they'd actually have more points. So the bizarre mm. elements of football in, in one of those ways. I think uh, Adam Campbell will be absolutely fine and be one of those players that actually shines for Gateshead, won't he, I think, Dickie?
2: Yeah, I think he will. I think they were very, they were understudies last season, but they were very capable understudies. Campbell came from um, Darlington, where he, probably been their standout player, I would have to say. Um and yeah, he's I, I think he'll cope with the stuck up in level um pretty comfortably. So yeah, it's good to see him getting on the score sheet. That'll help his confidence. Um and I suppose that's all that was my concern about Gator having lost the front two that that you know what uh, who's going to step up and fill that role, but they're, they're, they're doing that very well at the moment. Dean
0: Brennan, a good start for Barnet. A, a lot of people have tipped Barnett to struggle, but I think if you would have offered him four points from Gateshead of Halifax, he'd have taken it.
3: Yeah, it's much needed, isn't it, for Barnet? I think they're one of those clubs that are a staple of the National League for so many years, certainly kind of lead to National League, and but they seem to have kind of been spinning around and and floundering a little bit over the past few years and not really being able to kind of find their feet back in, Back in the the fifth tier after dropping down from League Two, but yeah, I think four point, especially a point away at Gateshead, is uh, rarely a bad result. It's a big trip, not a nice place to play football. Uh, the international stadium probably nicer to play in uh, in August than uh, than in later months. But yeah, I think it's uh, you know they, they can't really complain. They've you know recruited well. Nicky Kabamba uh, should do the business at this level. You'd like to think so, anyway. So. It's one of them where, yeah. Hopefully, it's a case of for, for Bar- from a Barnett perspective of uh, stability, and rather than sort of uh, looking to be sort of floundering and flirting with with relegation.
1: James, you make a really good point there about Gateshead not being a great place to play football. Let me tell you, it's not a great place to commentate on football either, <laughs> and it's it's where I made my commentary debut five or six seasons ago, and I'll never forget that day. But when you've not had to do it before and you've suddenly got to do player recognition in, in, in like nanoseconds and you're that far away from the pitch, it's not fun. Um, but it's a place, as you say, uh, teams are not going to want to go to. Uh, and not a bad start for Barnet at all. They're another one in that top nine that a joint top.
0: <laughs> I bet it was still cold there yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> The shop was open for business as John Lewis bagged the opener for York at Maidstone. Jack Barham had a chance to equalise for the Stones, but Ethan Ross kept out the penalty. But in the second half, they came roaring back Maidstone. It was Sam Corn who headed home a Rory Deacon cross. And then it was the same combination for the winner to a Maidstone, their first home win back in the National League. And, well, I guess you could say it's sweet Corn in a way for Maidstone. But how can Heretton praise their desire and a good start for Maidstone, James.
3: Yeah, I don't think that's a massive shock to anyone that watched them uh, in the South last year. I think that was very much, it, it looked like a squad that was ready to to make the step up, was ready to play at, at National League level rather than National League South. We, we we visited them on the final day of the season and they rotated their squad and they were still kind of comfortably a, a good bit better. And to anyone that kind of was beating out Dorking and Ebbsfleet to win the league and in quite a comfortable fashion in the end got to be a very very good team and you know I think they've that's, that's certainly what they are I think you know the likes of Sam Corn, uh, Jack Barham uh, Rory Deacon George Fowler they're all kind of players that you kind of think well yeah you're, you're National League players rather than National League South players and you know they've they've recruited well as well from the league below uh, not on the bench but or in the squad today but so Wanjow Smith from Hungerford they've kind of picked a few players from, from the South which I, I think is a good sign rather than kind of Looking to to flood your squad with sort of big names, just kind of keeping the, the core of the squad together and, and adding in a few from you know players that you, you know well is uh, to serve them well. Yeah, I have no real shocks that you know they're already there's no kind of real step from semi pro to to pro or sort of part time to full time. They're already kind of on that. They're already doing that. So yeah, they're all the all
0: the tools to to do well. Interestingly, Tom thinks that Maidstone will struggle because they haven't strengthened as much, and there are still a lot of play or some of the players who were there when they went down a couple of seasons ago. But do you think they'll be fine, in Maidstone?
3: Yeah, I mean, I think it's hard to tell, isn't it? Two games in, you know. Again, I think with the step from from step two to step one is one again that some clubs will make make quite easily, and some clubs, you know, really really struggle with. For example, like the Kings Lynn, and Weymouth just sort of come straight back down. So it's one of them, but I think the likes of you know Joel Ol is was probably the best center back in the league last year and so you know it's not as if they were kind of sneaking through the the, the playoffs or anything like that they were you know a pretty dominant side and so you know the, there's at least with sort of the 11 they've got or sort of the 11 and, and sort of starting few um i imagine they should be all right but you know it's it's a long old slog so it's one of them where it might be the case you know come sort of 20 games in they'll be looking at january and kind of uh, Hacking Higherton will be looking to, to bring a few more in the door.
1: Just a quick footnote, just to say, Hacking Higherton, he'll have got a lot of learning from his first level, uh, first spell at this level, um, and he's earned the right, hasn't he? He really has earned the right uh, on merit to be back at this level, and this time managing, you know, being one hundred percent being the manager, knowing that he's the man because that wasn't the case before uh, when he was kind of sharing the responsibilities a bit with uh, with John still.
0: But well, it's a good point you made that, Rob, as well, because equally he's learned his tutelage under John Still as well. So he'll know the level, he'll know the type of players to go for. He'll also know how to win games at this level and he can call on John Still's experience. I know John Still is, is now at South End, but I'm <clears> sure <throat> he'll still be happy to pick up the phone to him, except maybe when he plays South End.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, John Still might, might, might offer him a couple of also runs, ones that he doesn't want. But no, I take your point.
0: Yeah, well done, Hackett. Lovely man as well, if you've ever met him. He gives out the best hugs as well. It's uh, I've, had a, I've had a massive hug off him before. And uh, yeah, lovely hug. Now, Rob, I know you're the ultimate professional, but you went to the pub before the game uh, up at Chesterfield, didn't
1: you? Oh, I did. And uh, nobody in football ever enjoys um, their team losing. But all the circumstances, good commentary, all the technicals went pretty well. Um, and fantastic company before and after the game. Um, There's a a lovely pub called The Glassworks opposite the ground. And before the game, I caught up with uh, four Chesterfield fans, three of which were different generations of the same family. Right, I love to do this. We are pre-match and I'm with Yogi, Trevor, Kevin and Gary. And I'm just, that's it really, because I've got all the names right. I'm impressed with that. Absolutely decked out in all the Chesterfield colours. There's a couple of different kits here as well. Starting with you, Yogi. Um, another season upon us, another season full of hope. Chesterfield, a bit like Aldershot for different reasons. Seem to have so much hope and it all comes tumbling down around your ears. How are you feeling about this season?
2: Uh, I'm very optimistic. Um, we uh, there's a quote that we use. Uh, what is it? Expect. What is it? Ex, I can't even remember it. It's hope
1: for everything, expect nothing. That's something the like one. That. <laughs> that's the
2: one.
4: Yeah, and I wish I'd got it because there's a couple of lads behind me now that have been promoting that one. So.
3: Yeah, I'm very, very optimistic. I think if we can keep players fit, if we can keep them on the pitch, that's another awkward one. If we can keep them on the pitch, I, I do think we'll be up there challenging again.
0: Really Talking
1: do. about players on the pitch, Trevor, you've lost Kovalan. He's obviously an eccentric goalkeeper, a good goalkeeper, but he's out of the way for three games. Are you pleased with the signing of Ross Fitzsimmons? Well, I
4: should be one the
1: goalkeeper. <laughs> he can wear a pair of gloves, he'll do, will he? Yeah. That's right, yeah.
2: We, we said before this week that the first player to walk in and catch the board pen i would be playing in net so everybody's been late getting in
1: i think when we've looked across the road so. and kevin any other club 2-0 up at Dorking uh, on the first day of the season we would probably think we've got this but let me guess i don't know if you were there did did you have worries even then ask any Chessfield fan
4: whatever we do we do it the hard way yeah. and nothing's ever put on a plate for them 2-0 up we've been 3-0 up before and lost 4-3 so it's never in the bag until the whistle blows 3 down and 4 3 yeah yeah and if, if Chessler can make a complication we've planned for players we've planned for tactics we've planned for everything you can't plan for a goalie being sent off and you definitely can't compensate for referees There's fair a enough different level
1: of referees so and I've got to ask you this will obviously go out after the game but all the shot are in town. You know you're usually better them, but they got a spectacular nil-nil here last year. How do you think it's going to go, Gary? Oh, it can happen, like, like Kev just said, is that we never make it easy for a Then
4: So it can go one or two ways. It'll either be a, a, a round for us, I think, or lose one nil. It's, it goes one way or the other, I think.
1: Well, I'm going to be honest and say it's either a route for Chesterfield or a spectacular nil-nil for the, for the shots again. Have a great season, chaps. All the best.
0: Yeah, so that was before the game. On, on the pitch, Rob Kabango shamanga he was back. I, I imagine he got a really good reception. Uh, as Chesterfield, as you mentioned, took on all the shot. Ultimately, it was Liam Mandefield's goal which separated the two sides. What was the game like?
1: Terrific. Really, really good game. I mean, racked with tension for both sets of fans for different reasons. Um, Very, very open game, really enjoyable. I've made more um, goal effort kind of notes on my commentary pad than I've done in a very, very long time, particularly in the first half where it was a little bit like a basketball match. And, you know, Chesterfield, obviously, with the bigger squad, the better quality squad, the home support, a wonderful pitch. It's so much better than last season. Um, they looked good. Uh, they looked like they could, uh, you know, pick holes in. And an all-shot defence that was trying to show it was a little bit more together than last week against Solihull. And they had some good chances. Jeff King could have had a hat-trick in the first half an hour, but two of those efforts were with his left foot. Um, Luca Ashby Hammond in goal for all the shot was superb. He made one save just before half-time, which, um, you know, contentious. Some people thought it was over the line. Uh, some thought it was sort of on the line. Um, but in amongst that, Aldershot had three golden chances as well. Effion um, and uh, Willard. And then in the second half as well, Ryan Glover heading against the crossbar. All at nil-nil. You just didn't know which way it was going to go. Probably, I suspected at some point, Chesterfield had scored and that's what they did. Um, and... What was no surprise was that the goal came from a raking crossfield ball, a brilliant ball over the top from Oli Banks, who is, on that you know, snapshot of 90 minutes that I saw him yesterday, potentially one of the best players in the National League. He's very, very good. I don't know what he's doing, playing at National League level. He's tall, he's rangy, he's got pace, he can win it in the air, he can win the ball back, he can ping it here, there and everywhere. Um, And he was very, very good. I've got no qualms with the result. I think Chesterfield had the more chances, the better chances, a much, much better showing uh, from Aldershot. Um, And certainly, I think a game that I could walk into uh, the home pub after the game and chat to some of the people in there um, and and, and be able to hold my head up a little bit because um, Chesterfield fans were very complimentary about Aldershot yesterday. Um, I did try and have a post-match chat with uh, three Chesterfield fans who admittedly uh, had had a couple of drinks. So, look, it's only fair. It was another defeat for the shots, but it was Chesterfield's day. It could have been 7-3 today, but it ended up 1-0. I'm joined by Miles and Paul and Luke, who very kindly shared a taxi with me and let me pay. Um, And we're just round the corner from the train station, but they have bought me a drink. Miles. A win's a win, is it? 1-0, you've got to be happy with that.
4: Absolutely. After, yeah, well, we're happy, not really. you, you happy know. that
1: Shimanga's back? He got a hell of a yes, reception, yeah.
4: he? Yes, yes, he did, yes. After, well, I don't think it's quite the play that we had last year, but you get a bit of time and he'll be back.
3: I just felt we were more progressive with the way we played today. A lot Fair more enough. progressive.
1: Fair enough, and you're trying to convince your mate, not me, aren't you? But I know he, I already know he's not too happy with the one 0 win. He, no. he wants a bit more, don't you, fella?
4: Definitely. No, I, I I'm, I'm very. We played well in spells. We had like good, a good lot of possession, whatever else. But at the end of the day, we went. Clinical. Final third clinical yeah, Not clinical. Yeah, no. we, we we All right, we had Cabango come back and, and Clark and that, but it just seems like we, we played a load of ball. We played lots of balls, you know what I mean? We played a lot of passing football, but just didn't, just didn't proper click. And and, and I'm going to... You were a mistake from the York Yeah, team. yeah. What caused the goal? And I think maybe a 0 nil. nil might have been a fair score
1: in that, yeah. and, and I And I know you're not being arrogant when you say this, but the reason you're not happy is because you don't want Chesterfield to just compete for the playoffs. You want them to no, be going no, for the I number, the number it, one I prize, don't you? I literally want to win football matches. So we should
4: be winning games left, right and centre in this league. And we've got poor court, we've bought big, we've bought some good players, and I think we really do. So whether it's going to take them time to gel, I hope it does, and we end up going, well, Look at the players who didn't even make the squad today. Mm. We had someone like five or six who, like, they've been in our starting 11 last season. Like, and they didn't even make like the 16
1: today. So, our squad's strong. What I was going to some say, you've got quite a lot of players, quite a lot of good players, quite a lot of strength in depth. We're a bit short in midfield. Could we just maybe say take Ollie Banks on season alone?
4: No, I think we'll have him
1: for the season. Wait, 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 I think wait, we'll wait. have him. <laughs> he's class, he's absolutely class. And after the game I did manage to catch up, as I think every member of the media did yesterday, with the winning goal scorer, Liam Mandeville. Liam, managers have come and gone and players have
5: come and gone, but you're still here <laughs> and
1: uh, you reminded everybody of that today.
5: <laughs> me and yeah, me and Lawrence are still always, uh, standing strong from when I first came in, which is uh, I mean it's a, it's a good confidence boost for, for myself uh, obviously it means that ga- managers must like me so must be doing something right
1: you mentioned in another interview you just done that uh, everybody's obsessed with stats and whilst you feel you've been putting your effort and your performances and you haven't quite had the goals and, and the assists that, that, that you might have done under this new manager
5: uh, monkey off the back now so to speak or you just want to kick on yeah. absolutely I think getting off to that getting your first goal of the season in fact it's I think it's my first goal for the gaffer which is It's shocking, really, but the faith he's put into me. So I'm glad to get that off and back now, and it's uh, really time to kick on at least double figures, hopefully. From the
1: stands, it was a good game because it was quite open, wasn't it? And Aldershot didn't park the bus, they played their part, didn't they?
5: No, to be fair to them, I I think uh, they got the tactics pretty spot on, to be honest. They came here, they they were solid uh, when we had the ball, and they broke quick when, when uh, when we didn't have it, and we had to deal with that. I mean, we created quite a few opportunities. We've had a goal. Was a goal we've looked back. head uh, head has gone over the line, but these things happen uh, in the in these leagues. We haven't got VAR or anything like that, so. Um, so had a pretty good view. It was yeah. mostly over the line, yeah. but not
1: completely. So, yeah.
5: No, no, it was over It, it, uh, it was. You've over. seen footage. Yeah, over. it was over. It was wow. over. Wow. Okay. Know. But In the end, it's not. It doesn't yeah, exactly. Need to be that's a what I mean. Point, but I mean, uh, yeah, that's what I mean. So it's not about that. Um, I'm just happy to get the goal. And
1: yeah, fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, and and you won't know this, but our podcast, which is follow the national league for five seasons now, we we follow closely England C as well. Yeah. Um. And uh, I know that's a while ago, and the and, and the result didn't go right, but yeah. must have been a proud day for you, winging on the uh, English. Shirt.
5: Oh, absolutely. I mean, I had. A, do you know what? I had a great time there. I. disappointment obviously, with the game was horrible to be honest yeah we, we dealt with all the conditions it was boiling sunshine when we got there went through snow rain a lot it was it was tough and they, and they 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 were good to be fair to them um but yeah it i think obviously at the time i didn't feel so proud but i think looking back on it it's it's, it's an achievement i've got the i've got the cap back at home so yeah it's definitely something I look. keep back bringing on for
1: what you bring to this club and the national league name thanks for joining us thank you
5: We heard about Shooter McGavin
0: in the preview podcast from Joe. Well, it was his goal that saw off Halifax. That and an inspired performance from goalkeeper Mark Halstead in a Torquay goal. Helped them take the three points. And Halifax have now lost both games. Quite a surprise that, Rob.
1: I'm not sure. I mean, I was literally jury out for me at the start of the season because... Of the fact that I think managers are so important and um, you've got an assistant manager stepping up to be manager and he'll have been desperate to get a win on the board, desperate to get their first points on the board, but they haven't come in the first two games. And you know, Luke, you've been there probably as much as I have. That's uh, often an expectant crowd at Halifax. And unfortunately people are going to start wheeling out the cliches now about a playoff side, having a hangover the following season, aren't they? Like they were trying to label on Solihull Moors until, until the season kicked off. Um, so um, yeah, I'm not too sure um, about could that. Though one. Rob,
0: could the could the mm-hmm. excuse sort of be levelled that there's been a lot of upheaval, the manager's gone, and he's he's brought in a newish squad. I mean, to be fair, the only a lot of the squad that came in were only about two or three weeks before the start of the season. So is it still a case of like waiting for him to gel as well?
1: To some extent, I've got the sheet in front of me here, and Halifax sit in the middle, really. You've got a few sides that have kept a lot of continuity and others that have pretty much built it new. Um, Halifax actually kept 11, 12 players and they brought in a similar number. Um, They've got a 23-man squad at the moment. And you had continuity there. Uh, Millington was was there for the whole of last season, Chris Millington. So, um, no, that should have been in their favour, Halifax. The fact that they had continuity of some of the management team. But equally, let's not get too anal about it. It looks horrendous, doesn't it? It's two defeats. Only two clubs have lost both games and one of them is Halifax Town. But it's very, very early. Um, And I saw um, Adam Virgo went fishing on Twitter yesterday, which quite surprised me. He continued his (laughs) his, uh, his relationship with the FC Halifax fans. He said, oh, Halifax fans have been a bit quiet at the start of this season and... uh, To be fair, only a couple of them nibbled and one of them nibbled back very calmly and he said, not much to say really. We've we've still got a pretty good squad and we'll do okay this season. Don't read too much into the early season results.
0: Oldham impressed in front of the BT Sport cameras, their first ever home game in the National League under new owners, of course. Helen Hope, who's one of the survivors from relegation, opened the scoring. Chris Porter added a second before. Ben Tollett, who everyone was impressed, pressing about on the... BT Sport highlights and also Adam Virgo in commentary as well. He smashed into third. Josh Taylor got one back and then Alfred Rutherford added a second to make it a nervy finish, but the Latics held on in the end. I know John Sheridan was a bit grumpy that he conceded two goals later on. He felt they'd take the foot off the gas, but um, a, big day, a big day for both sides, really. And Oldham did the business in the end.
1: Yeah, they did. Uh, and I know James saw some of this match as well, so I'd be interested to hear his thoughts in just a moment. But um, it, it was a bit of an odd one, in a way. It kind of felt like Oldham's homecoming, didn't it? A fantastic crowd, great atmosphere. And they got the start that they wanted, and Dawkins and, and didn't. Um, but Dawkins were impressive, I thought, through a lot of the game. Uh, obviously, they showed their character late on to come back and get the two goals. Uh, maybe three was was a goal too far for them. But I think uh, they've started okay, Dorkin. Um, you know they've come up a level and they've scored four goals in their first two games. I th- I can see them be involved in a lot of five goal thrillers this season, and they come out on the wrong end of that one. But just before we come to you, James, I, I just I don't often do this, but I went on the National League, um, not the forum, but it was on the, one of the Facebook groups, and I thought there was a couple of really balanced comments about this. Uh, I'll through them quickly, Luke, um, Jeff Elliott, who's an Oldham fan. He said, I was impressed with Dorking. a really good football inside. They used the full width of the pitch. And I really liked how when we had a corner, they left three up front. I think they'll surprise a few teams this season. 3-0 would have flattered us and we were holding on a bit at the end there. Um, and a Dorking fan, John Page, says, I have to say on the back of the defeat to Oldham, I'm confident we can cause a few upsets in this league. We played well throughout the match and two lapses in concentration early in each half cost us. Um and he goes on, but uh, he, he also feels three 0 would have flattered them. And Dorkin just need that first win now. Great support Oldham have though, and it shows just how big this league is. Well done to the wondrous fans who made the gem.
0: I was going to say, James, yeah. we were. Um, I know Bobby drew old a bit of quality there. What, what, what? Are your thoughts on Dorkin?
3: Yeah, it's funny, isn't it? I think it's basically the exact same squad that that went up from the National League last year, save for the two strikers. And yeah, you know, they they really have kept that. That continuity together, the only real new names in there are, are Ryan Seeger and Luke Moore, which is a an interesting duo. Ryan Seeger is a great signing, though, from from Hungerford, who's kind of instrumental to why Hungerford did so well last year. But as you know, I think as as Rob said and as the comments echo, you know, they do play some lovely stuff. It's kind of you kind of want to dislike Dorking maybe sometimes with Mark White can be a bit brash sometimes. But actually, look, a, he's a Love him. He absolutely loves. He absolutely loves. He loves his football, and also he's yeah. obviously a, a very good manager. They play lovely. Yeah. They play really nice football. They scored the most goals in the National League South last year uh, by a pretty comfy margin. And uh, you know, it is a case of maybe one or two defensive additions could be the kind of the the difference. Adding in, uh, you know, Isaac Philpott got really a, a right back, and Barry Fuller obviously out as well. So maybe it's a case of adding in a little bit of. Defensive strength, if they are going to go for the sort of will score four if you score three kind of tactic. But, you know, I hope, you know, they've lost Darren Oldacre in midfield. But, you know, if they can continue kind of uh, playing some nice stuff, then you'd like to think that they can uh, the door. right.
0: And also, Ben Tullett, he as we mentioned, star of the show for Oldham, Dickie. We saw him. At, well, you've seen him at foul over the last couple of seasons. He was far too good for the National League North. And he's a great pickup for Oldham, isn't he?
2: Yeah, he is. I mean, it was slightly surprised that um, he wasn't retained by Fylde, to be perfectly honest, but um, whether that's that they'd chosen to go in a different direction or whether it was over, you know, just just being made a better offer. But I think I think he was actually released by Fylde before Oldham picked him up. I don't think it was a case of um, him turning down a better offer from Fylde. Um But yeah, um, again, another player who was one of the standouts in that final team um, and no surprise to see him doing well at Oldham. So we
0: easily beat Wheelstone, thanks for Tristan Abraham's goal. Controversial, if you watch the highlights, the lines have flagged for Wheelstone foul, but the referee played an advantage and Abraham scored and it was the only goal of the game. Dagenham again with a slow start. 2-0 down after 31 minutes at Woking. Reese Grego Cox who from Crawley in the summer and Rowan Ince with the goals and Dagenham Rob, I mean, they're, uh, they're Darren McMahon will be under pressure. I know you've spoken about it before, but it's not the start he wanted, is it?
1: It's the second season running that he's made very few changes. He's really massively going for continuity. But the other C word is the one that Dagenham can't find consistency. Um and this keeps dogging them. And the pressure will crank up. Maybe, just maybe he'll be forced to um to 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 try and uh you know bring one or two more in. Um, I'm not seeing them up close and personal yet this season, but it's not the start that they wanted. That'll be a big weight off the shoulders of uh, Darren Sarlo uh, for, for for Woking. I think it can go a long way winning your first home game because you naturally get a decent crowd anyway for the first home game, um, and if you get a feel good factor going, they've they, they've scored a couple of goals. They haven't conceded. They've won the game. Um, and onwards and upwards for them. Who I'm told that Ints uh, Ince um, bossed the game yesterday for for Woking. And interestingly, he was a target for Dagenham in the summer, but they didn't get him. He stayed at Woking, and uh, jobs are good. Un.
0: Yeah. Finally, Bromley drew nil nil at home to Belgium. It was last on the highlights, so a bit like last on match of the day. Uh, we'll say no more about it. Uh, Rob, thanks for uh, thanks for joining us.
1: Yeah, pleasure as always, and uh, hope to join you in happier times for my side.
0: <laughs> We're going to look now at the National League North. And in the National League North, well, the standout result has to be uh, Banbury beating File. They've got a 100% record in the National League North still.
2: Yeah, they have. Um, played 2-1-2 for Banbury. They got a win at Coors-Nashton um, last week, and they've shown every sign of carrying on. Um, in the same vein that won them the, the Southern Prem Central last year by something like 20 points, um, you know, when you do some, when you when you do win a league at, at a canter the way they did last season, um, they they obviously a team to be reckoned with. They did li- did lose Chris Ray to Southend as we mentioned last week, but they've um, yeah they've shown absolutely um, no uh, concerns or no fears about coming into this division and holding their own and beating Foyle who were. Well, I think they were favourites for for most, but made by most of us when we made our predictions, and I think the bookmakers' favourites as well um, is an absolutely terrific result for them.
0: I suppose with the home form, though, Dickie, I mean, because it's they, so good at home, they won't fear anyone, will they?
2: No, I suppose it's one of those things. I mean, I looked at it, and you um, um, you think Banbury coming into the league and probably being the most, one of the most southern of the northern teams. Yes, they're going to have a lot of travelling. But you've also got the thing that a lot of teams have got to do a lot of travelling in order to get to Banbury. Um, and with them being strong at home, you know, that that is going to be a, a big thing for them, is, is using that home advantage, particularly when teams are getting off buses after, you know, three, four, five hours worth of travelling to get there. Um, yeah, really good win for them yesterday. They were 2-1 uh, up. Um, by half-time goals from um, Ben Radcliffe and Alex Barbos, I think it is. Nick Horton had replied with the penalty for foiled partway through the half, but Jack Hickman with a goal in the second half, and it was just salt rubbed into the wound by Jordan Cranston, being sent off with two minutes still to play um, for foiled, so they finished with ten men and he's facing a suspension.
0: Yeah, the other tips for promotion, were Kidderminster. They to on Leamington at Agburn, could only draw nil-nil in the end, and in a way, is that a surprise? Because we know what Leamington are like and they've got off to a good start as well, haven't they?
2: I don't think I'm entirely surprised by that. No, knowing how hard um, Leamington are to break down, how, uh, how resilient they tend to be. Um, and also knowing that this is the kind of game that Leamington absolutely relish. They love being the underdogs. They would love going to Kidderminster and um, you know putting the brakes on uh, what people might perceive as being a juggernaut in the, in the division this season. You know, Kidderminster have got some new players. They're, they're, there's some settling in um, still to happen in that team yet. So no, I'm not entirely surprised by that result. And yeah, Leamington unbeaten in their first two as well. So they're one of a cluster of teams on four points.
0: Well, we had Grant Biddle on last week from Peterborough Sports. They, they drew 1-1 with Buxton. He went up to Southport, which is always a, a tough place to go. Um, but well, didn't it make it so tough, did they?
2: No, they didn't. No, it was um, you know, what looks like a fairly comfortable win in the end by three goals to nil away at Southport. Um, I think Grant did mention last week, uh, Dion Sembi ferris suggested he's uh, he's a player that they've had at, at Peterborough Sports for a, uh, quite a while. You know, we've been talking about the, the fact they've supplemented their team with some new signings. He scored twice. He scored in the second of the 20th minutes and they were 2-0 up at half time. And then Jordan Nicholson added a, a third goal with about 15 minutes still left on the clock. So, Yeah, don't know the entire story of that one, but on the face of that, that it it certainly looks comfortable um, and and impressive. It's 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 a result that will fire warning shots around the division that Peterborough Sports are not to be taken lightly. Um, As you know, I'm sure Grant would have. uh, He was speaking last week about making statements, wasn't he? About bringing some of those players in, like Connor Kennedy and Connor Johnson, and, and saying that that was, you know. There the, the was some intention there to sort of um, make uh, people believe that Peterborough Sports deserve to be at this level. And I think results like that yesterday will only um, strengthen that claim.
0: Yeah, I think we've got to give a shout out again to another newly promoted team. I mean, you look at the top of the table, it's very, it's not what you'd expect, it's fair to say, would you? I mean, Kings Lynn, they're another team who are on 100 with 100% record. They beat Blythe, you know, we'll get on to Blythe. Very shortly, and what's gone on there this week, but a, a good start to the season for Tommy Widrington's men.
2: Yes, it is. I mean, we've been told that Kingsland have remained full time, which is one of the reasons that I've got them um, certainly in a playoff spot because when you know the advantage that that um, can give you. Not entirely surprised that they got a 2 0 win over, over Blythe Spartans yesterday, given that Blythe um were exceedingly quick out of the blocks in dispensing the services of manager Terry Mitchell i think on either tuesday or wednesday literally four days into the season still don't know if there's any more behind the scenes there there clearly are things that have that have gone on and maybe just disagreements over direction i think wow. there was some suggestion that maybe terry mitchell maybe had there might be some more investment in the squad which they're, um, clearly doesn't look to have been over the over the um, close season. Um, but, yeah, comfortable for Kingsland yesterday. Goals in either half. One from uh, Michael and who's a, a mainstay of that side. And uh, the manager's son, Theo Widrington, adding the second in the second half. He does have two sons, after all, at least two sons, because one of them um, was a dancer on Strictly Come Dancing as well, I remember, last season. So, yeah, Kingsley waltzing to victory yesterday.
0: I don't know if you saw saw him coming out the tunnel yesterday when the players arrived, but he turned up in a, a very snappy suit. Did young Widdrington, and he had shades on and everything. He looked very cool. It's fair to say. <laughs> and a very That's warm a way to day. Do it on man? a hot
2: day, isn't it? You know, looking like you've just turned up at the Cannes Film Festival rather than the walks. But uh, yeah, fair, fair play to him for uh, for doing that.
0: I mean, Bride's an odd one as well. Reading the statement, it looks like he's basically been given the old heave ho, hasn't it? And, which makes you think. Why would you let him go through the whole of pre-season, play one game against a team of fancy for promotion and then get rid of him? It just seems daft, doesn't it?
2: It does. It was one of those statements where you got the impression that there wasn't much said in the statement. And sometimes these very minimal statements of football clubs mask a whole load of issues, which um, you know are basically boiled down to, we, we're going to try and keep this as... As clean as possible, and just put out a very short, almost tersely worded statement. Which just and and the the very fact at the bottom it says that we won't be taking any more questions about it this time Mm. Um, (laughs) is another clue. There, it is a strange thing to do to let somebody go through the whole of pre season. You know, you just wonder whether during pre season, you know, that maybe he has been making the case that he needed more investment. Um, They got to the first game of the season lost against Kidderminster and he said there you go there's the evidence that we needed more investment um, and it's just come to a head I don't know but it is strange timing. Um, he's a very well respected figure in North football Terry Mitchell as well he did very well for Blythe when he came in last season and, and saved them um, from from going down ultimately with a run of results that they, they put together when he came in um, but yeah that just shows what football's like isn't it you know just six ex- Seven eight months later, and um, yeah, he's gone. So,
0: four of the teams on four points Darlington, Chester, your beloved Telford, and Buxton At really good wins for Chester and Buxton, Dickie.
2: Yes, they were. We'll touch on, on Buxton's um win first. Um, it was uh, a win over Curzon Ashton, which means Curzon Ashton. Have a 100% record, but 100% as they've recorded two defeats so far. Um, A goal from Diego de Girolamo, a player you know very well. Well Um, said, Dickie, well
0: done. You got it right as well.
2: Yeah, I've not even been practising that one as well. But yeah, he scored a penalty 20 minutes from time um, to give Buxton uh, a 1-0 win there. Not entirely surprised by that. Result. I mean, I suppose I just uh, the thing that I was looking at that fixture is thinking. One man who might have been looking on with some curiosity at that fixture is Steve Cunningham, yeah. who did actually manage both of those sides last season, um, but left Buxton uh, at the end of last season. But yeah, uh, it, it's a, it's a good result for them. I, th- I I do think Buxton look possibly the best equipped of the sides to contend out of all the promoted sides, and 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 that's yeah excellent for them yesterday. Um, Chester. Yeah, they they are oh, uh, they are unbeaten. They were pegged back from being two 0 up at Alfreton last weekend, so that was disappointing for them. But they took another two 0 lead yesterday uh, against Brackley Town. Goals from Cole Hall and Kurt Willoughby, a, a new front pairing for them. Um, and yeah, and they they remained in in front there. Perhaps just a, a little bit of a signal of the, the the change that's gone on at Brackley Town there as well. In the much like Kidderminster, that they've. Got some bedding in of new players to go on. I have predicted it to be not quite as good a season for Brackley this season, but you know we are only two games in, so we're not going to read vast amounts into a 2 0 loss at Chester for Brackley just yet.
0: Darlington drew one-one at Charlie, and you're up in the northeast. Uh, you're up at Spennymoor, and you met a famous face. You met John Bishop. Did he go? Hello, Rich. How are you? I'm John Bishop. Really enjoyed oh, actually, the I game. To- I did. <laughs>
2: No, um, um, it was a strange story. We were told that he was in the ground. Apparently he's a friend of the Spennymore owner, Brad Groves, and he was en route to the Edinburgh Festival. So he called in uh, to see the game. I actually tried to play it quite cool with him in that I walked into the bar and he was right in front of me and I thought, right, like, don't stop straight away, just keep sort of like going. and I was able to have a bit of a conversation with him because of course he was a semi professional footballer in his time played for your own team Hyde mm-hmm. um and Telford stopped them getting to Wembley in 1989 beating them in the FA Trophy semi final we had a bit of a chat about that he remembered um semi fondly um uh, one of our players who he had a very difficult time against that day but uh, no he was he was really he was lovely really good company and seemed to be very at home and enjoying his time as a guest of Spennymore. Um, he saw them drew what, uh, one each. Uh, Telford took the lead in that one um, with a goal from Matty Carson, who they got on loan from Hackington oh. Stanley. But Mark Anderson lashed in from 25, 30 yards, out only about 10 minutes later, uh, and it finished 1-1. Uh, Chorley, that was a 1-1 draw as well with Darlington. Um, Connor Hall, uh, somebody who's usually on the score sheet for Chorley, had them ahead. Um, but Mark Beck, who has returned to Darlington after some time away, he went into the football league with Harrogate, had a spell on loan at York last season. He's returned to his former club. He got the equaliser with five minutes left to make it. Um, yeah, quite a pleasant journey back um, to Darlington with uh, a point in the bag.
0: Well done to Scarborough. There, finally off the mark, Dickie, They got their first win, a home win against Hereford.
2: Yes, uh, it's important for for Scarborough to, you know, get some points on the board early, as it is for any promoted side, really, to just give you that sense that, you know, we're okay in this division, we belong here. You know, uh, it took an own goal yesterday, Luke Haynes putting through his own net in the second half uh, for Hereford to, to give Scarborough the points. But, you know, Hereford aren't a soft touch. They were within touching distance of the playoff places for a lot of last season. So they are, you know one of the more difficult sides in this division, even though they've got some new players bedding in as well. So, yeah, really good win uh, for Jonathan Greening's side yesterday and um, one that means that, you know, they can be optimistic about their their time in this division.
0: Boston United, they were, had a mad game last week, didn't they, at home to Southport. They were 5-0 down. Ended up clawing it back, but only by three goals and they lost 5-3. Uh, Paul Cox said that his side always start quite slowly. So, I suppose if you're in Boston it's best getting a half-season ticket and that slow start continued on Saturday didn't it Dickie?
2: Yeah it was I mean we did say last week we're not sure that that was the best defence that Paul Cox could have put forward that my team's always started slowly it's a bit like if you know that what are you going to do about it? Mm. Um But yeah they they lost 2-0, they lost yesterday, two goals from Matt McClure, one in either half, a penalty after 12 minutes. So, yes, it was um, potentially another bit of a slow start for Boston yesterday. The second goal did come pretty late in the game, in the 86th minute to make it safe for Gloucester, but yet not the start that Boston would have been looking for. Um, Clearly, two games into a 46-game season, again, we're not getting carried away with what this means. But, you know, Boston... With the facilities that they have, and with Paul Cox having gone there last season, you know, and um, turned his back on Kettering, seeing that Boston has been, you know, a, a club more suited to his ambitions and able to sort of like deliver, I, I guess, more the type of um, um, football club he wants to be involved in, um, it's not a great start for them. And, you yeah, know, I'm sure Kettering fans will be uh, looking at every result that Boston get and enjoying that at the moment.
0: Yeah, so I could catch you, Ned, Drew wong one with Bradford Park Avenue and Farsley and Alverton, Drew 0-0 to round up the National League North scores. Uh, Dickie, thank you very much for joining us. You're very welcome. So we're going to look at the National League South next. Brilliant,
5: I've finally quit.
0: I can keep up with my kids now. I feel like I've got my life back.
5: It's an amazing feeling when you stop smoking and you can experience it for yourself. Our range of free support can help you quit for good. From our app to emails, face-to-face support and online communities, Search smoke free, better health. Let's do this.
0: In the National League South, at the top, as you'd expect, two teams with a hundred percent record after two games: Ebbsfleet and Dartford.
3: Yeah, I mean, I think the two teams that most, a lot of people had uh, as two of their favourites, Ebbsfleet, I think for most people were uh, the standout side going into the start of the season. Not a lot of, uh, not a lot of turnover of players. They've kept most of their squad and just added uh, where they've wanted. Dennis Coultrie knows the league pretty well and uh, another win if uh, in dramatic circumstances for them this week with a 3-2 win away at Weymouth, uh, Craig Tanner with two and I th- you know Craig Tanner is one of those players that on his day uh, feels like one of the very best in the league, one of, one of those plays it looks like they float around the pitch sometimes, has got pedigree at in in the football league and uh, you know, I think as well, a 90th minute winner at Weymouth will be a is one that's good for the the team around the confidence as well. Kind of, you know, one of those you might look back on later on in the season as a as a really crucial extra two points. And and Dartford, you know, I think uh, the question mark for me over them was obviously Alan Dalton came in a bit late. They sacked they sacked Steve King quite quite late on in sort of the the end of season period. But um. Two wins out of two. Although you'd expect them to be beating Cheltenham at home. In fairness, if they are going to, if they are going to, they are going to challenge. And and Bath City away is is a nice one. I think their game against Haven on Tuesday is a is a nice early test to kind of see where both of those clubs are. And I suppose the other side at the top of top of the league with all six points is a uh, is Concord, which is probably the the one we weren't really expecting. But uh two two goals, two wins, uh, none conceded. Uh, they'll be pretty happy with that.
0: Yeah, and a player who's experienced as well at National League, never better level. Ben Williamson, he got the gold, didn't he? And Concord, yeah. Can you see them sustaining that at all?
3: I think it's hard to say, isn't it? I think they've they've played two teams that, in Hungerford and Taunton that you'd probably expect to be at least in the bottom half of the league. Um, You know, again, it's one, two 1-0 one, wins, which obviously you'd like to think would make them hard to beat. I didn't. Particularly fancy them before the season has started. I just did not think they've brought in that many players to kind of boost a squad that had finished kind of in the the lower mid table region last year. But you know, if you keep kind of grinding out results, especially early on, then that could could well go a long way. And uh, I think that was a that was a big one for them as well. One of their one of their players, Ryan Blackman, um, his son unfortunately passed away uh, this week, and I think it seemed to be a kind of a real unifying moment for Concord after that win where. Uh, and again, it can be the kind of thing that can, um, can really go a long way in kind of bringing, bringing a squad closer together, especially for, uh, for Concord. There's some long trips in there this year. Bath, Taunton, uh, Chippenham, Hungerford. Um, and those kind of things can, uh, can go a long way.
0: Yeah, also up there at Worthing, haven't Tunbridge and Dulwich. there are on, on four points. Just outside that is Hemel and Dover. Uh, Worthing have had a good start to the season. They had a really good win as well on Saturday.
3: Yeah, I think it's something you'd expect from Worthing. I think in terms of the the teams that have gone up, Worthing kind of look like they've got the infrastructure in place to kind of kinda of do well. If you go down to Worthing, it's a really impressive setup. Um they've kind of got the the artificial pitch down there, lots of kind of revenue streams, they've got various other sort of bits going on in and around the club. It's, it's a really impressive setup and obviously they were kind of one of those clubs that had been their promotion had been kinda of delayed for a season or two due to COVID. So they were kind of really ready to go up. But, but yeah, two wins from two and a a bit of a, a ding-dong battle, it seems, with uh with Welling, a, a team that a lot of people have, have kind of fancied to finish in the playoffs. Away at Welling is never an easy place to go, not a nice pitch, usually. I don't know what they've done to it this year, but, you know, that would be an important three points for
2: them.
0: Yeah, they're ahead of Haven, aren't they, now, Worthing? And Haven could only draw 1-1 one, one at Braintree. A big loss for them with Jason Priory. got a straight red card, and over the next couple of weeks, that could prove... A bit of, uh, difficult for them.
3: Yeah, Crossing Road, not a nice place to go. Never easy. Braintree away. One of those, again, it's a long trip for a lot of people and uh, Angelo Harrop you know, is putting a new squad together there. So really difficult to kind of get a feel for what they'll be like at all. But if I haven't, yeah, Jason Pryor, probably uh, the league's star striker if ever there was one. Um, now, well, he'll be available for Tuesday due to the way the, the red cards work. Mm. But, he will then miss uh, at least one game. And that might mean he misses uh, Havent's trip to South West London, uh, to the Bev, potentially. But I suppose Havent, that's where the squad depth comes in. They've got James Roberts and they've got Mo Fowle, And it's kind of the case of what well, if you've got four top quality strikers? Well, then missing one shouldn't, in theory. Uh, make a difference. And that's kind of where, you know, you hope for, for, from a haven point of view, that sort of squad depth and the extra kind of maybe a bit of money that they're able to spend compared to other clubs should uh, should see them right.
0: Yeah, the other teams up there in in the playoff places as it stands are, are Tombridge and Dulwich. Dulwich drew 1-1 at Farnborough. Farnborough picked up their first points of the season. And uh, Tombridge, they drew 1-1 away at Slough.
3: Yeah, Tunbridge, funny one. I think, you know, obviously, I think a lot of people were were surprised to see Steve McKim go uh, last year, had a very particular style and probably not, you know, one of the biggest budgets in the league, but new pitch down there and now Tunbridge, which will get its first uh, viewing next week when we travel down there. Um, That's his first ever game. And uh, yes, it seems like a kind of a new era a little bit for Tunbridge. Uh, Femiak and Wanda is a signing I like. Um, and, yeah, they could be one of those teams that, that surprise people a little bit. There's always a few in there, isn't there, that kind of people have to kind of struggle just because that's kind of what they historically do. And perhaps they'll be um, surprising. And then Dulwich, Farnborough, it's, it's, I think that's kind of a result that kind of smacks of, of how difficult it is to kind of, in those early games, to kind of really feel where everyone is. Dulwich are a team that most people were would be backing to, um, to do well this year, going to the playoffs. They've recruited well again. Uh, Will Wood, I like Sam Deadfield. Obviously, from from Hampton, is a really good player. And but and Farnborough lost last week to to Hemel side that came to the, to Beverley and and didn't look that good. So it's it's one of them where you kind of think, well, how does that result kind of really work it out? But obviously, football's never that simple. And I think it's you know we'll need five ten games to kind of really kind of get a feel for where clubs kind of slot in in, in the league.
0: Yeah, Dover, while you've got Alvy Paving, your team will always have a chance. They won 1-0 at home to Hungerford and, and the other team, as I mentioned, on four points at Hemel Hempstead, who you saw yesterday against Hampton and Richmond.
3: Yeah, Dover, um, it's, a, again, one of those great unknowns, aren't they? Obviously, the, the nature of their relegation last year was, uh, was unique, uh, just one of them. You can't really garner anything in terms of anything meaningful in terms of what's going to happen on the pitch this year based off of last year's kind of just shambles, really. and uh, But yeah, Alfie Pavey is, is a very good player at this level. Um, yeah, Again, not going to be a nice place to go for a lot of people. It's probably a, a long trip, especially for the likes of Bath uh, and Taunton. So, you know, a nice one nil win at Hungerford. At Hungerford side, I imagine, will probably struggle a little bit compared to last year with without uh, Ryan Seager and Angel Smith uh, and Luke Kearney, obviously, gone to pool. But yeah, a one nil win at this stage of the season, you can never argue about. And yeah, Hemel... Uh, came and got a point uh, from Hampton and Richmond in a bit of a funny game, really. I think if we if Hampton and Richmond play like that for most of the season, we'll be absolutely fine uh, in, and probably do quite well if if those kind of you know you create that number of chances. But missed a penalty. Uh, Craig King pulled out a couple of worldy saves and uh, Hemel they took their chances. Jordan Greenidge, uh two and two for him now. Uh, their two goals, both from him, and he's a big boy. Uh, really physical, but technically very good as well. They're kind of playing with three strikers up front, Charlie Hughes and Ogo Obi, who've both come from uh, step four. Uh, and it kind of creates this really direct style, kind of quite physical and, and in midfield, and then releases kind of three out-and-out number nines, which uh, could be really difficult to deal with on their day.
0: Crazy game down on the south coast to Eastbourne, who were 3-1 up at half-time and ended up losing to a last-minute winner by Bath.
3: Yeah, I mean, that would be a huge result for Bath. I mean, we've spoken a lot already about long journeys, but I think uh, some of the Bath lot, it was uh, into Sunday by the time they uh, returned to the to the West Country after uh, after their travel to Eastbourne. But I think uh, a 97th minute from, winner from Kieran Parcel makes that trip uh, a lot easier. But that's a huge result for Bath. Again, struggled last year. Uh, I think if four teams had been going down, they would have probably been a lot more worried, but obviously it was just the ones that could kind of uh, kind of get through the season and look to reset. Um, but yeah, Eastbourne, again, aside, finishing the berth last year, but hard to kind of gauge where they'll be at without Charlie Kendall. Charlie Kendall, for me, was probably one of the best players in the league last year. Obviously got his move to Lincoln, um, much deserved, and was a, a really key part of their success. But uh, Eastbourne already already knocking six goals in two games. So maybe uh, the lack of uh, Charlie Kendall's goals not a particular issue, but uh, they'll have to keep them out the other end if uh, they want to uh, challenge in the playoffs again.
0: Yeah, two, two more games uh, left. St Albans, uh, they lost 1-0 at home to Oxford City. It was a battle of the teams. Probably were in the playoffs last year. We'll be looking to get in the playoffs this season, but Josh Ashby's goal ultimately separated the two sides.
3: Yeah, obviously, obviously it's a bit of a, a new one for them. Lost a lot of players, Eko Osare, George Harmon, Dan Matsuzaka, uh, all part of that kind of quite impressive defence last year under David Oldfield. Obviously David Oldfield now at Weymouth. Um, and a disappointing start to the season for them against Eastbourne. But a win at Hemel is, uh, is no mean feat. You know, Hemel will certainly be uh, looking to challenge again with Sean Jeffers back in the team, but... Uh, a win, a loss, and a draw to start the season for Hemel is obviously not the not the start they wanted. But I think as most teams will be uh, will be saying to themselves, there's no need to panic just quite yet. Um, just two games in, they've got Hungerford on on Tuesday at home, which they'd probably be expecting to take three points from. Um, and we'll yeah get a bit of it. hard to hard to tell. You kind of back um, Ian Allenson, to, who knows this league to uh, to have them, you know, looking at top ten at least once more.
0: Yeah, chipping him against Chelmsford was abandoned. A really worrying sight there. But some good news we've heard before we came on air, wasn't there?
3: Yeah, Pablo Martinez um, collapsed uh, after about half an hour. But it sounds like he's uh, as healthy as as can be after something like that, breathing and and doing well. It doesn't seem to be life-threatening. And I think once more, it shows the importance of defibrillators at at football grounds and and knowing where they are.
0: So we've got a full programme of National League fixtures across the three divisions in midweek. The standout one in the National League is Chesterfield against Wrexham. Uh, what's the standout there fixture for you in the South in this midweek?
3: Yeah Dartford haven't uh haven't made the trip to to Prince's Park on on Tuesday night. And I think two two sides that most people have backed to be finishing in and around sort of the, the top one or two at the start of the season. That'll be a real test for kind of where both sides are. Haven't, should have Jason Pryor available despite the red card due to the way they, kind of, they work in this league. But, yeah, that'll be a real kind of uh, pace setter for the for the rest of the season. And, you know, I think a team that comes out with three points there will kind of fancy themselves to, uh, to have got it right early on.
0: Yeah, in the National League North, there'll be two fixtures that people are looking at. Banbury against Boston. Can Banbury continue their 100% record of being unbeaten? Can Boston finally pick up some points? And also Buxton against Leamington. Buxton at home against a side who are well it's kind of one of those you know you're in the National League North because there's such a tough side to beat to so can Buxton see off Paul Holler inside uh, thanks a lot for coming on James
3: thanks so much for having me it was a uh, good fun
0: and also thanks again to Rob and to Dickie have a great week if you're watching a National League fixture follow us on Twitter at NL full time and it's also the same on Instagram and we'll see you all very soon